the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd, which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded, this voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Then the crowd replied to him, We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of the light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you today. Uh, For those who are new, my name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. And it is a joy to have you visit One Fellowship. Before we dive into this passage, may I invite you to bow your heads as I begin with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts 
Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever been surprised to see a person for who they really are? When our family moved to Daniel Island in 2011, we met a lot of new people and a lot of new families from different places. This included Ruth and Matt Melanie, along with their three kids, Noah, Josie, and Maddie. And they all just happened to live right down the street from us. Now, we didn't know a lot about Ruth and Matt early on, except that they had moved from Seattle and appeared to love the outdoors. From our house across the alley, they would often throw a kayak on top of their Subaru like a commercial and head out to the Charleston waterways or they would sport board shorts and flip-flops as they went out to the beach. Thus, you can imagine my surprise when one morning I headed out to work and saw Ruth wearing this. Now, no, she wasn't drenched and wasn't wearing a parachute pack that day, but she was dressed in a flight flight suit and had traded her flip-flops for boots. And I was stunned. I wondered to myself, it had been like two years. I was like, who is this person? So when I finally worked up the nerve to ask what she had done with her flip-flops, and why she was wearing a flight suit, Ruth shared that she was a C-17 pilot for the United States Air Force. When I asked her where she was flying that day, she said, it's classified. (laughs) Again, I was stunned. I would later learn that Ruth and other C-17 pilots from Joint Base Charleston would fly all the way to the Middle East on that day to airdrop tens of thousands of pounds of humanitarian aid to ethnic minorities in Iraq who were being hunted by ISIS, thereby saving countless lives in the process. Isn't that amazing? The point being here that even though I had seen Ruth countless times in our neighborhood on Daniel Island, I had not seen Ruth, the real Ruth until that morning. Have you ever been surprised to see a person for who they really are? Or perhaps a better way to ask the question is, have you ever been surprised to see a person for who they fully are? As we turn our attention to John 12 today, that is the invitation to each one of us this morning. We're invited to see Jesus, the real Jesus, in the fullness of who he is. And then we're invited to let that reality shape our very lives. So who's ready to dive into God's word? Raise your hand. Yes, let's go. The big idea from our passage today is this. When we see and embrace Jesus for who he is, yeah, a little charismatic baby, it's all good. When we see and embrace Jesus for who he is, not who we expect him to be, our lives will radiate the glory of God. 
And we will see and unpack three truths about Jesus from John 12 today. First, Jesus is humble in character. Second, Jesus is global in focus. And third, Jesus is faithful in love. So let's dive in. We got a lot of screamers in the back today. They want to hear Pastor Paul. Point one, Jesus is humble in character. The passage begins, the next day when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it's written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. In this passage, known as the triumphal entry, where Jesus comes to Jerusalem, his true nature and intentions are revealed. He rides not on a war horse or in a chariot, but on what? A donkey. Why? Because Jesus is humble in character. He leads not with pomp or pride, but humility. In fact, right out of the gate in our passage, Jesus has the opportunity to advance himself or defend himself. And he actually does neither. Look at this with me. First, we see a large crowd who wave palm branches and they scream, Hosanna, which means please save as Jesus passes by. Now, if you do a little research, you'll discover that this group is actually motivated by national zeal, as palm branches were a symbol of military strength and victory for the people of Israel that dated back to the Maccabean revolt some hundred years prior. Additionally, check this out. Additionally, while this group quotes from Psalm 118, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they then tag on an extra line, the king of Israel. Thus, it's clear that this group, the large crowd, wants Jesus to be their national liberator and leader so they can attain freedom and power. But Jesus doesn't take that bait. He doesn't advance himself according to their nationalistic agenda. Instead, he grabs a donkey and he rides in with radical humility to fulfill Zechariah chapter nine, verses nine through 10, which reads, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the fowl of a donkey, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So Jesus shows he's not aiming for power. He's aiming for what? Peace. Do you see it? And Jesus shows he's not just about blessing one nation, he's about blessing all nations. 
That's interesting, right? Especially in the times in which we live. More on that in just a minute. Let's first wrap up what we see of Jesus' humility. There's a second group in our passage that reacts to Jesus' arrival, a group known as the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of that day. And guess what? They are angry with Jesus. Unlike the first group who wants to crown Jesus for their national aspirations, this group wants to kill Jesus for personal preservation. This death plot is recorded in John 11, and then we read here in John 12 this simple statement. Then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They're starting to turn on one another. So does Jesus go and confront them? Does he go and defend his honor and his very life? He does not. In fact, at the end of our passage, we read that Jesus actually goes and hides from both groups. Why? Because Jesus is humble in character. He seeks neither to advance or defend himself. Rather, Jesus' attention and affection are tuned in to far greater things. This leads us to point two. Jesus is global in focus. The passage continues. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus replied to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he would later declare, as for me, if I am lifted from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. All right, Miles, Davis, do you guys ever get excited when you find something new? Yeah? How about the rest of you? Do you ever get excited when you see something new, raise your hand. Okay, pretty much the whole room. Well, in my studies this week, a theologian pointed out something new that I've never seen in John 12 before. If we recall at the beginning of Jesus's life, three wise men came from the East. Remember that? As recorded in Matthew 2, we typically preach on this passage around Advent, around the Christmas holidays. Well, here in our passage, we now see Greeks who are known for their philosophical pursuits seeking Jesus from the West. Isn't that interesting? Thus, Jesus' life is bookended by Gentiles or outsiders. And this, my friends, is no accident. What this means is that no matter who you are in life and where you're from in life, you are invited to seek Jesus. What this means is that no matter who you are in life and where you're from in life, you matter to Jesus. Do you know that? Do you believe that? You can be from the United States, the United Kingdom, the Far East, or the farthest bush In Africa, you can have one parent, two parents, four parents, not even know your parents. 
You can come from a rich faith background or absolutely no faith background. What matters most and what you need to hear today is that you matter to Jesus and you're invited to seek him. We want to see Jesus, the Greek said. So too are we invited to share these words. You see, Jesus is global in focus. In fact, the whole Bible is global in focus. Looking back to Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant, we read these words. Go from your country, God says to Abraham. Your people and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse in all peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then, of course, we, we've all seen the guy at the uh, Seattle Seahawks or whatever sporting event holding what verse? John 3.16. For God so loved the world, not just a slice of the world, not just one people group of the world, not just one nation of the world, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Again, this is really good news because we're all invited to seek Jesus. We're all invited to believe in him today, Crockers. This applies to you, Josh. This applies to you, Ray. This applies to you, Allie. It applies to all of us. And this leads us to point three. I held up two fingers. It's early. Three. <laughs> Jesus is faithful in love. I came across a story this week out of Boston. Anyone from Boston here? No one? Come on, Robinsons. Quote, a promise is a promise. And the New England Aquarium in Boston lived up to that promise. A woman went to the New England Aquarium last week with an old late gate ticket that was given to her great aunt back in 1983. The 38-year-old ticket said, you have arrived too late to fully enjoy our facilities. This ticket is good for admission at any time in the future. Well, any time was 2021. And the aquarium accepted this ticket from Rachel Carl, who thanked the staff on Twitter. The late gate tickets were actually discontinued about 25 years ago. Still, Carl said her great aunt had given found, excuse me, she'd found these two tickets and given them to her. So she decided to keep one and then try her luck with the other. And you know what? They let her in. Isn't that a great story? I love how it begins. A promise is a promise. Well, back in the book of Isaiah in chapters 52 and 53, God had issued a promise to save his people by means of a suffering servant with these words. Listen closely. See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. 
Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And what Jesus shares in our passage is this. I am that man. I am that suffering servant. I am that Messiah. Listen, in John 12, verse 24, and then in 32, he proclaims, truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. As for me, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus directly here is quoting from this passage in Isaiah. And what he's saying is, Scott, this applies to me. See, Rowan, a promise is a promise. And Jesus is faithful in love. Jesus would go on to give his very life as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world by being lifted high on a cross for all the world to see. So as we conclude this message, let me ask you, every one of you, do you see Jesus, the real Jesus? Do you see the humility of his character the global nature of his focus and the faithfulness of his love, I believe this passage is meant to call us and stretch us in ways we've never experienced before. But there's one more thing I'd like to share. In a story that's perhaps, excuse me, in a story that perhaps will capture our imaginations as we leave this place today, let's look back at the Old Testament. When the people of Israel had been freed from bondage and were traveling in the wilderness, being led by God to the promised land, Moses did something daring. In Exodus 33, he says, God, please show me your glory. God, please show me your glory. And then in Exodus 34, guess what? God does just that. He calls Moses up on Mount Sinai where he then passes in front of Moses and he gives Moses 
the law for the people to guide the people and he shows them his glory. Now, according to this story, when Moses finally came down from the mountain, he was glowing. Read it, Exodus 34. He was glowing. Some translations said he was radiating. His skin, in fact, was so bright with the light of God that it struck fear in awe and reverence to all the Jewish people. We read that finally, Moses had to put a veil over his face so that he could go about his days. Now keep this image in your mind and consider our passage. Jesus says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. The light will be with you only a little longer while Walk while you have the light so darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. Listen, while you have the light, believe in the light so you may become children of light. Jelena Brooke, do you see it? Do you see what Jesus is saying? He not only wants us to seek him, he wants us to believe in him so that we can radiate with the glory of God. Jim, he says, believe in the light so you can become a child of the light. So friends, today I invite all of us to see Jesus for who he really is. Maybe you're just going, I have no idea why I'm here. Someone invited me. I found it on the internet. You know, maybe this is the first time you've seen clearly who Jesus really is. I invite you then, seek Jesus for who he really is. Don't just see him, but then start to seek him. No matter where you are in your faith journey, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are, and then I invite you to believe in Jesus. Why? Because Colin, he wants you to shine with the glory that belongs to him. He wants all of us to be children of light. That's the invitation, that's the call to really see Jesus for who he really is and then have our lives changed forever. As we head to the table, let's just reflect on these words. I'll close this time with a word of prayer. I hope this convicts you and calls you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this message. We thank you for this passage. We, we thank you for this hope that we have in Jesus. No matter who we are and where we're from, we're invited to see you and seek you. And we're invited to place our full trust in you. God, may you pass in front of us. May we see your glory. May it fill our hearts, our homes, our workplaces, wherever we go, no matter we're, if we're young students or kids or adults, beginning our lives, ending our lives, we want to see Jesus for our good and your glory. In his name we pray, amen.